Uwe, uwe, uwe te kaha, uwe te aonui, uwe te mana, uwe ta tatau hui, kia ko tahira tatau ki te whakapono, te tumanako me te rangi Māria Haumie, huie, taigie, this week on The Hui. It's been coined as the bread and butter budget, but what crumbs are being allocated to Māori? We are striking a balance between supporting our people now with the pressure of cost of living and investing in future jobs and economic security. It includes some really important steps that will make a huge difference to people's lives. This was presented as the no-frills budget, but what we've got today is the blowout budget. This is a reckless, irresponsible blowout budget. This budget chooses to prioritise the well-being of the rich over the well-being of the poor by ignoring the big elephant in the room, wealth tax. We examine the 2023 budget with our panellists. And he's part of the next generation of Māori musicians. They're bilingual songs, so oh, yeah. hopefully bringing the two worlds together through a song. Mohi talks Whakapapa, composition, and his new single, Me Pehara. And welcome back to the Hui. It's a big show, ranging from Is That It to It's Better Than We Thought. Budget 2023 had a range of names from just about everyone who had an opinion. The Labour Māori Caucus hits the road today to sell the budget to Māori communities. But we have our panel of Māori experts here to discuss. Will the budget deal with the issues the country faces and the build-up to what many are saying is going to be a very close election indeed later this year. I am joined by the former opposition leader, now CEO of the Auckland Business Chamber, the Honourable Simon Bridges. Also joining us is Professor of Business at AUT University School of Business, Ella Henry, and Professor in the School of Economics and Finance at Massey University, Matt Roscrooge. Let's start now. The cost of living. People were looking for something out of this budget for the cost of living. Did they get it? And if so, what was it? Yeah, I suppose they did in terms of, you know, some of those goodies, if you want to call them that, the prescriptions, the early child uh, care, the um, uh, public transport for, for young ones. It wasn't universal, though, so there'll be people sitting there, you know, if you're um, uh, in certain circumstances, you don't fit those, you're not going to get it. Um, I, I think in that regard, you can't say it was a restraint budget. I mean, they weren't pulling back. There wasn't lots of um, cuts or anything that, that perhaps some might have um, thought there would have been. Uh, quite the opposite. And so, yeah, there was a cost of living uh, component. I think what was missing was a sense that, you know, here's some stuff for the long-term kind of productivity of New Zealand that we're going to do. I think that was the missing component. OK, so it's some interesting things there. Do you agree? Uh, yeah, by and large too. Uh, and certainly for our most vulnerable, uh, for whom $5 is a choice between picking up a prescription and buying some meat for dinner tonight, those things I think are really important in many of our communities who don't have access to the closest, you know, pharmacy warehouse. Um, and, and uh, you know, across the board, some very positive contributions, Matatini obviously at the top mm. of the list, but a range of other things around uh, apprenticeships and, and, and enhancing today 
Bell uh, and contributing to Kura. Those are things that are going to count to our families. Okay, Matt? Yeah, look, it's not going to make things worse. I think they were quite careful not to open the books up to as a Labor government, so there's still a little bit of a little bit of a lolly scramble, tiny one in there. But it's certainly not um, going to cause any major problems, I don't think. There's also not much relief at the same time, um, especially outside of the urban centres. I thought that um, you might see a little bit more going out into the regions, um, but it's a very urban-focused do, do you mean by that in response to what we've seen in Cyclone Gabriel? Yeah, so, so, I'm, so I'm kind of putting the... So there's the cyclone response, which um, is something else. I was meaning more sort of support for the cost of living in the regions, because right. in those places, quite often, the um, getting a job's difficult. The um, salaries that they're earning are lower. Uh, the cost of getting from one place to another is incredibly difficult, from White Trail out to New Plymouth. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Um, there are those extra cost pressures that you do get in the, um, in the rural areas that are different from the urban settings. And we, we saw as a focus on urban infrastructure, um, uh, urban transport, where there is good public transport, things like that. There was lots of talk of walking the tightrope, Matt. Mm. And, and has Grant Robinson done that successfully? Because people wanted to see things, Māori Party, for instance, GST or food and that kind of stuff. So has he walked the tightrope oh, successfully? Certainly everybody I've talked to in Wellington's grumpy, which makes me think, yeah, he did. I, don't, I haven't <laughs> talked to a single um, person who's down there who said, yeah, we got everything we wanted or we got anything we wanted. So I think if you, um, it, it sounds like he was pretty tough on his ministers and on his ministries this mm. time round. Um, and yeah, that, you're seeing that feed through in the budget, not too many big spends. Simon, I think the Chamber's pre-budget survey said that Auckland businesses were looking for three things, cost of living, health and law and order. Can we say two out of three? Not... Yeah, look, I think, you know, what business wants a bit of a hard one because there's so many different yeah. kinds of businesses. I think, I think at a level they, you know, they wanted it all. They they wanted restraint, they wanted to see a bit of pulling back, um, but they're also voters and they're part of the community and they've got whānau, so they want to see you know, health, education, law and order. I think they got a bit of that. I come back to I think the sort of the side and there'll be a part of business and this came through in the survey what they didn't get was you know any tax relief they didn't get as I say those sort of long term productivity things um, you know whilst there was maybe te matatini or there was um, prescriptions you know where was the R&D development grant or some of those things so from a business sense it was reasonably um, slim pickings I've got to say yeah there, there was there was talk of restraint here yeah. and yet we saw a bit of investment there was investment in infrastructure investment yeah. in, in digital and things like that. Yeah. Do you think that'll appeal to some of the businesses? Oh, yeah, look, and as I say, I mean, the prescriptions will be popular with a lot of people, all those sort of things. I mean, I think what's interesting, we've seen this before, I remember it was a classic sort of Bill English one, wasn't it? Um, you, you, you talk it down, they were talking no frills, restraint, what was it, bread and butter, we had it all there, you know, all this, and then look, they've done more than that, and um, I think what's interesting about that is that, that sort of, it's a bit in the eye of the beholder, that allows... Labour to go out, as you say, Māori MPs out right now with constituents working at hard and sell their message, but it also gives the opposition something, uh, which is, you know, the... the, the, the uh the, the, the fiscal um, uh, big response and the, um, what do they call it? I'm losing the word that they use. What are they, what's their big line that they keep using, Chris? You showed it in the clip there. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the budget blowout. Blowout, yeah. blowout, blowout budget, you know. So um, that allows them to do that as well. Mm. Um, 
I think one of the things about the spending that will be really interesting is later this week from the Reserve Bank Governor, of what course, we're going to see, okay. how's it, does it mean we, we're paying a bit more in our inflation and interest rates? OK, and I will pick up on that as well. Uh, we did see, as you mentioned, to Matatini, Ella, is that going to be a vote winner, do you think? I Particularly think in Māori electorates? I think there will be a number of communities around the country that will see that as a real bonus and a plus. Māori have been, you know... At, advocating for uh, parity between what goes to the symphony, what goes to the ballet mm. for 30 years. So this is a real fillip mm. for those communities. What's more, it's going to engage more communities. And we know from the research, young folk who are engaged with kapahaka are less likely to go to jail, are less likely to deal with, you know, are more likely to stay in treasury. So this is, this is a real investment, I think. The other thing I wanted to ask you about, you were intimately involved in the Māori media review, the sector review, so 52 million... I think it is over two years now for Māori Media. What, what's going to happen there? What's the inside all you've got? Uh, we've seen no detail, so so it's an open, it's a really an open book. But I'd like to think that there's capacity in there to build capacity. Uh, so we need more training and professional development. We need upskilling. We need, um, you know, more careful protection of our Mātauranga. and maybe also thinking about what is going to replace the Māori Media entity that had been envisaged as part of the um, Radio New Zealand. Um, TVNZ merger that's gone away, but so too has that uh, Whare Māori, which mm. I think was a really important part of that proposal. I'd like to get all your responses to some commentary from iwi leaders, actually, mm. that came out recently, praising this budget. Tukuroi Rangi Morgan, Chair of Te Ratauta, Wakoto Tainui. And by the way, two iwi who aren't necessarily getting on when you talk about Auckland at the moment, Ngāti Orake, mm. both came out in praise of this budget. Was, was that a surprise? Yeah, it's hard to see what it is that they were... Um, I mean, it's not a bad budget by any stretch, but it's hard to see what it is that um, that made them think this is a good budget. So what was what were the gains? What were the wins? What's, what's going to change the trajectory that we're on at the moment in there? Probably nothing. And that's what I would have been looking for, for the people to come out and praise of it, that there, there was something a bit visionary. Um, there's a lot of really important quality of life things that got fixed. So um, the fixing the parental leave KiwiSaver contribution, mm. fixing Tamatatini's underfunding. I mean, probably free scripts is going to save us money and in the long run. And I suppose from a specific Māori or iwi perspective, you know, if you look at the press release from the Māori ministers, it is quite a long list, right? They've gone out and Tamatatini's perhaps the most exciting one, Natalie. Level. But then now after that, you've got all of these things. I thought what was fascinating was actually the National Party and ACT parties refrained from any criticism of any of that. You know, in their blowout budget and so on and so forth, actually they didn't, when they were asked uh, on that stuff, have anything uh, negative to say. So that, to me, was very interesting. I come back to it, though. I'm not sure... Um, from my perspective, praise might be going a bit far in as much as, look, overall, again, if you think about the Māori economy, which yeah. we know the success of and so on, I'm not sure I saw much there to sort of... Um, that in five years' time we'd say, oh, well, that yeah. was what did this. And lo lots of... You know, Māori SMEs in Tāmaki Makoto. Correct. To Simon. You know, and we saw an increase in percentage for procurement rate earlier Absolutely. announced by the Minister. Procurement, but also the growth in apprenticeships. Yeah. I, I, certainly iwi are getting actively involved in building development. That would have been very attractive to Tainui and Ngāti Whātua, I think. But, but it feels like we're not, we were missing the, the real 
rocket fuel that was wanted in business that didn't come. I mean, I suppose maybe it's my old politics coming to play. I just sit there, though, and I say, you know, we're talking about it in the, the green room, as they call it. You know, New Zealand's got some big long-term issues. I'm not laying the blame at anyone in particular for that. You know, a, a long-term brain drain, including many of our best and brightest young Māori and so on. You know, issues around productivity, issues around infrastructure. We can all say, oh, well, there was that and there was that, but I don't know that we got a sense of excitement that, oh, here's the vision, here's some long-range things. It was, in my view, a political budget and election year. I'm not knocking that, you know. I mean, funny enough, there is politics in politics, you know. Uh, but I just say, you know, in terms of excitement and praise, I'm not sure I okay. could quite get that far. The, the interesting one, I thought, was the immediate response to the um, to the prescription part of the budget, the $5, mm. which was an immediate response from National, which kind of surprised a lot of people. Matt, Alan? I, mean, I, I thought it was cheap, low-hanging fruit to, to target as a criticism, but actually the feedback to them, I think, made them shift mm. quite quickly, that, that mm. actually, even in their own constituency, even in their own community, that was actually a plus. Matt, is any of this going to have any impact on people's voting choices, and Māori electorates particularly, yeah. and we'll come to other issues after the break, but are Māori electorates, is any of this going to have any impact on the way people vote yes, Māori electorates later yeah. this year? I mean, the, the big trick is going to be get peeping, getting people out to vote. That's what we're really going to be looking at. And I don't see anything here that I think is going to motivate people to get out and, and tick the box. So that's going to be one of the things that they've still got a bit of money there, so they might be looking to find ways of um, raising issues and, and trying to build up some interest coming towards the election. Okay, more to discuss um, after the break, including what the response might be actually from our Reserve Bank New Zealand and high interest rates and the like coming up. So stay with us, we we have more after the break from our panelists, Professor uh, Ella Henry, Professor Matt Roscrooge, and of course the Honourable Simon Bridges. Kemotonumai. Hey, that was really quick, eh? Kia ora, my own, welcome back. We've got so much more discuss, to discuss with our panel, Professor Ella Henry Ngāti Kauhuki from Ngāroa, Professor Matt Roskridge from Te Atea Wangāti Tama and the Honourable Simon Bridges from Ngāti Maniapoto Te Ngā Kūtu Katoa. So let's get to the Reserve Bank. What do you think mm. the Reserve Bank's going to do later this week? I think the consensus amongst the economists is, uh, and the bank economists is going to go up. Um, the question is 25 or 50 basis points. Now, obviously, that has a real effect. If it goes up 50% uh, or 50 basis points, I should say, I think the politics of that and the economics at a level is that will allow the opposition and others to say pretty clearly that that last half of it that came from a budget that was a blowout budget. Now, you can say whether you believe that or not, but I think that's kind of where we're at on all of um, this. And then I suppose it gets to the point, you know, where do voters sit on that? Do they sit there and say, well... I appreciate that I've specifically got this prescription for free. Um, I've got ECE for free. I'm getting on the bus, and that's the money that's fueled this uh, this interest rate and so on. Or, or do they say, no, look, I'm really unhappy about that, my mortgage, and um, I'm going to take it out on them? The Minister, Grant Robertson, was almost talking like he didn't see the need for that to occur and what he was saying in his speeches both during and after the budget itself. Did that surprise? It, it doesn't as much. Grant Robertson is a master diplomat. We know that his, his previous career is very smooth, very good at... Uh, he was, I thought, though, in the position, and kind of both sides are going to be in this, aren't they, of saying, you know, look, when I spend it from government, it's not inflationary and it doesn't have an effect on interest rates, but when those guys do tax cuts, that's terrible, right? <laughs> and they're sitting there saying the opposite. Look, I'm, I'm not sure that's uh, that, that's. Fear. 
25 basis points, 50 basis points, Matt. What's the impact of that? Are we talking higher Māori unemployment? And if so, what does that mean? Yeah, so, I mean, we can only go on the Treasury figures. Treasury was looking at really quite modest um, inflation. I, nobody believed the numbers they were seeing, certainly in lockdown, when they were seeing the um, lock-up, when they were seeing the, um, the, the speed at which Treasury were picking inflation to come back to within 1% to 3%. Uh, unemployment sitting at 5.3. For Māori, we can just about double that. So 8 to 10% unemployment for Māori if we get to 5.3 is the headline number. Mm. That's problematic. Um, avoiding a recession is nice, although that might make the Reserve Bank feel I uh, feel like they've got a little bit more wriggle room to play with in terms of um, raising interest rates faster. Yeah, it seems to be, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it seems to be if we have an increase in basis points here, the, the threat of recession becomes greater, more mm. likely. What's the impact of that going to be later on, do you think, particularly getting into an election? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because we're, I mean, so much of what happens to us is determined offshore, right? We don't yeah. actually have as much control as we like to think we do over our economy. Um, we're a price taker globally. Uh, we've got wars all over the show popping up and conflict. Oil yeah, prices facilities in the US yeah. and lack of yeah. negotiations. So all of that could hit us far harder than what we're doing. Yeah. But, I mean, look, it, it, it is, um, a recession's not good for many people. They're problematic. And we um, certainly if we have them, we want them to be short, sharp and correct quite quickly. Ella Henry, do you think that this was strategic then on behalf of the government to focus on things like you know, health, uh, education, the announcements that it's made here to try and, I don't know, not buffer, but, but buttress some of this, this argument? Absolutely, because we know we need to fix these areas that we've learned over the last year or two need a lot of work and mm. care and investment, so that's good. I mean, the reality is, though, in terms of getting back to getting Māori to vote, mm. uh, the real crisis is amongst our rangatahi, um, voting patterns for under 25-year-olds are very low, so I'm hoping that we're going to see something in the next few months that will be something that can inspire younger Māori to actually vote with our feet. That's going to be a critical issue. Ella Henry, if you think back to, to 2020, um, um, rough experience for one particular member on the panel, but, but anyway... Um, if you think it was liberating in, the end. <laughs> liberating in the end. The mandate that Labor had, particularly from Māori, I mean, yes, they lost, they lost uh, to Waiariki, uh, but they had a massive mandate from Māori. Have they used that mandate well to be able to achieve Māori outcomes in your view? I mean, I want to open this up. Yeah, only history will. Uh, that's that's a kind of question only history can can answer, and certainly later history when we find out how Māori voted. This, uh, yeah, we were all in a state of crisis around the world, let alone in this country in 2020. We were reaching out for what we thought might have been the catastrophic, catastrophic end of days, and you know, Ardern and her government provided us with some sense of hope and some sense of faith. Those were things we voted for in 2020 as a nation. It's going to be a completely different election this time, and I literally do not know how our people are going to vote. Simon, I'm interested in your view here, because this, was a, this had a massive government majority. Mm. And the question, I think, is, is a really salient point here. Have they used that well, particularly over the last three budget terms? Massive. Uh, as you say, I mean, it's the only you know, MMP, a majority government, one party. Um, I, I think a lot of that will depend on your view of COVID. You know, if you sit there and you, you're a bit cynical about it, and you say, you know, we stayed in lockdowns too long, and, you know, they had a big economic effect, I think you're going to have one view. If you take the other 
other view, which, you know, health was what really mattered, and we got through that and fewer people died, you know, you'll take another view. I, I think, you know, bringing this to today, one of the really interesting questions that smarter people than me will be thinking about, but is, look, the extent to which in those Māori seats, um, Māori, uh, whether they call it this or not, vote tactically, you know, You've said yourself, I, I said on The Nation the weekend, this this election's going to turn on us, sort of it'll be thin as a, a, a cigarette paper, right? Now, in that sort of an election, um, if you have a Māori's vote uh, in terms of party vote going Labour, uh, in terms of seats going Māori, and I know Nanaia and others won't like me saying that, um, but the reality of that is a very close election that could make all the difference. Has Labour been strategic here, Matt? I mean, there's a little bit in there for the Māori Party. To Matasini, yeah. obviously, a big ticket item that they talked about. There's a little bit in there for the Green Party as well, actually, when you think about it, particularly after the announcement yesterday with NZ Steel. Have they mm. been strategic in the deployment of this budget, given they know the preferred partners they want after October 14? Yeah. yeah, they've given their partners something to talk about, some wins that they can start to claim. Um, or, you know, I think that uh, they've definitely thought about who they want to work with and tried to structure a budget in a way that um, brings those people on side into the tent a little bit. Um, there aren't many options for us to work with, really, at this stage, is there? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that seems to be what they're up to there. OK, and then long-term, do you think they've done enough mm. to be able to just get to an election and then potentially build from their post-coalition, whatever that looks like after yeah. October? I mean, their big problem, they've, they've had the mandate, they've even had a vision, and they've tried to do these reforms, but the execution has been yeah. terrible. I think it showed no matter what your mandate is, the people that you're working with are really important, and... Uh, Wellington and whoever else is involved in delivering these um, dreams that they've been able to do through their mandate just haven't I've, I've got to be careful, I'll get myself in trouble. I'm not in politics anymore, I'm no. in business. But, you know, I think I can say objectively, and one of the most fascinating things about where we are right now is we have our two major parties where for sort of different reasons maybe neither is in the 40s. Yeah. And so we go into this election, uh, I'm probably stating the obvious, but we're actually, you know what, it's going to be pick your minor party or third party that is probably going to decide this election. The tail will wag the dog. Oh, and we've seen it before, and I, I reckon we're going to see it again. I'm, I'm getting the wrap-up, but I've actually really enjoyed this, and I think we should do it again. Professor Ella Henry, Professor Matt Roscrooge, Ngāti Tama, Te Atiwa, Te Nākūtu Katoa. Thank you very much for your time. He waiata no te poroporo ere mai a muriake nei. We are with the uber-talented singer-songwriter Mohi with his new waiata after this. As part of our New Zealand Music Month special, we are with emerging Māori artist Mohi, who talks about whakapapa, musical growth, and his waiata ho, his new waiata, Mepehera. Mohi, tēnā koe, hoa. Tēnā koe, thank you so much for being a part of the programme. You're a talented fillet. I'm OK. <laughs> Where does that come? That must be the Ngāti Rangi Nui side. No. <laughs> I mean, if I said that, my dad would be a bit uh, cross. Really? <laughs> nah. well, so where are you from again? You're from... So we're from Tauwhara. No. Um, we're from Ngāti Hine. For the un uninitiated, where's Tauwhara? It's in a small town called Ohauhoi. Also from Ngāti Hine, from Moroa, okay. Tauranga Moana, no. and Ngāti Kaunguni Kitawaroa. But where's the Waiata stuff come from? There's definitely a few pretty talented people within our whānau, both sides. Wow. And so I think it must have just trickled down to us. So 
Is it easier to write in English or Māori for you? I think the earlier thing, the earlier songs, generally were written in English. Yeah. I think I was more comfortable writing it in English then. But now, especially with the songs that were added to the EP later on down the track and the songs created now, it's become more comfortable to write in Te Reo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. Far oh, right. Yeah. And, and, and you're also writing English songs? Yeah, well, they're bilingual songs. So, oh, yeah. what I'm trying to do is create songs that are almost 50 50. Um, hopefully, bringing the two worlds together through a song. Yeah. Um, and ultimately holding the same kaupapa, but from those two different perspectives. Yeah. Why Why do that? What, who's it for, do you think, if you're writing yeah. songs in, good... in te reo and in English at the same time? You, do you think it can appeal to a wide audience or mainly to a Māori audience? I think it's for a Māori audience, real Māori speakers as well as non-real Māori speakers. What I want to do with the songs is create comfortability by creating a waiata that has simple enough reo for the whanau to catch on to, mm. uh, has some real pakeha in there, which can be sort of like a reference point, but also ultimately draw our whanau to the reo, to oh. the song. Normalisation. That's what it is. Me. Yeah. So talk to me about the song you're going to sing for us, Me Pehara. What is that song about? Yeah, so Me Pehara, Me Pehara Te Aroha. It's sort of, I guess you could translate it like, what does love look like or what does love feel like? This waiata in particular was uh, created at the Reo Māori Song Hubs last year. We were travelling home after the first day and there was this melody that was on loop and it's the melody of the verse that you'll hear. Oh, bye. Couldn't get it out of my head and I was like, oh, this is a bit... Man, this is a bit feelsy. Maybe it's the marama. Kare te mōhio. I'm going to try right to it. I took it back to the whānau at the Song Hubs and we sat there and honestly, it just come together within a couple of hours. It was, it was pretty magical, eh? Well, you didn't agree, huh? No, I didn't agree, huh? Thank you for having us.
Coming up next week on The Hui, an exclusive story about a world champion and his shock cancer diagnosis. One of the greatest sportsmen in Aotearoa's history. Jason Winyard! Is in the fight for his life. I know this thing's growing inside of me and I can hardly breathe. And misdiagnosed basically three times. Oh, I think it's inexcusable what's happened with my case. He wants a story to be told. Unbelievable how it's been handled. You'll find links to our stories on our Facebook and Twitter accounts and at newshub.co.nz. Nā te puna whakatongarewa, te hui i tautoko.